This episode is brought to you by Auth0. That's Auth0.com. In this episode, we get to speak with Microsoft MVP, Google Developer Expert, international speaker, front-end dev, podcaster, UI developer, accessibility advocate, and horror fan, Chris DeMars. Welcome to the Thunder Nerds. I'm Frederick Philip Von Weiss. Thank you so much for joining us again. And please remember to subscribe, like the show. Would uh, be really cool of you. I want to thank our sponsor. We have Auth0. Auth0 makes it easy for developers to build a custom, secure, and standard-based unified login by providing authorization as a service. So go ahead and try them at auth0.com. Really appreciate it, Auth0, thank you. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get to our guest. Wow, we got a lot of things to uh, talk about here, Chris. <laughs> We're gonna welcome, this is a list, uh, Microsoft MVP, Google Developer Expert, Oracle Groundbreaker Ambassador, International Speaker, Front End Dev Podcaster, Horror Fan, Accessibility Advocate, UI Developer, and a Hunter from Supernatural himself, Chris DeMars, welcome to the show, man. What's going on? What's going on? And we'll also add to that, media developer expert. At yeah, Cloudinary. that's right. With I Cloudinary. Saw, I don't work I, there. I saw the tweet go by uh, yeah. just the other day, uh, pinned to your thing. So, yeah, tell me all about that. Yeah, so Cloudinary is like, it's a media company. And um, uh-huh. I interviewed to be a just a media developer expert uh, to help bring community together and, and talk about media with Cloudinary and most it's, a lot of it's going to be focused around like accessibility like what I do right accessibility and images and Cloudinary and, and all that stuff so I'm really stoked for it um still onboarding so I'm still figuring out all the, the things so I might not even be saying it properly right <laughs> so I gotta go back through the the uh the uh guidebook and stuff but uh yeah no I'm stoked I'm stoked to be uh be associated with Cloudinary that's really really cool so yeah, that's so awesome. What was the uh, what was the first way they found out about you? Uh, so actually, I found out about through uh, through Tessa Mero. She's the uh, she was um, talking about it during a conference last week, Magnolia JS that my buddy JC Hyatt runs, and um, Cloudinary sponsored, and they had a sponsorship going on, and, and she was talking about becoming an MDE and how there was an application process and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna apply. So one thing led to another, and bam. Here we are. Oh, dude. That's so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's so awesome. So um, you also have a, uh, a podcast, speaking about podcasts, since we're on a podcast and, and live stream. Um, and uh, one of the questions, and I'm going to ask you all about it in a second, but I love this question because it's uh, Tales from the Script, which yep. obviously the play on Tales from the Crypt, the classic yep. horror TV show, uh, unless you're... Uh, maybe a millennial and don't recall that. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, one of the one of the questions I, I believe you ask, I didn't hear it on the last episode, but maybe I missed it. But one of the questions you always ask is, what's your favorite horror movie? And I wanted to ask you that. What's your favorite horror movie? Oh, 
You know, come to think about it, I don't think I asked Jen what her favorite horror movie was. I'm glad you. No, up no, you that. didn't. I fucked yeah. up. <laughs> I fucked up. Wow. <laughs> oh, that that. Oh, that's one of the big have, motifs. I, that's the that's the whole that's the whole show. Like, I don't even have to mm-hmm. talk about web development. We can talk about horror movies the whole fucking time. Oh, my favorite horror movie uh, would have to be John Carpenter's Halloween. I got if you might not be able to see it, but I got a Halloween mask or Michael Myers mask in the back from the original. Uh, Halloween. That's my favorite. I know it's super cliche, but I mean, it's, it's a classic. It's never going to get old. I could watch it a hundred times, a million times. So that's, that's my favorite. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a good movie. Especially, you know, it's some of those movies when you grow up with it, it's just, it kind of becomes part of your uh, fabric of your life, if you will. Yeah. You know, so that, that's definitely one for a lot of people. Um, I think for me, uh, I'm more into like the horror anime like uh like tokyo ghoul or like blood sea um uh some of the other things like that you know what i I, like recently though was live action was that netflix dracula did you see it i think i started it i just never finished it like i'm really Uh, bad on starting shit on netflix and if i can't get into it like right away uh i stop watching it a good a good show i don't know if you ever watched it was santa clarita diet with Drew Barrymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she's a zombie. They, That's so good. But they stopped it after season two. They got great ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, but then they canned it after season two. And I was, like, super pissed. I'm like, this is a fuck. They are perfect combination, those two together, in a show. I, yeah. I just, I was super upset. So, yeah, there's, there is, I mean, it's still on Netflix, but it's, after season two, they scrapped it. That is so weird. Yeah, Netflix is weird. Like, some of the, like, really good shows like um, the strange, whatever creatures of Christine McConnell. Oh, no, it's a different show, but it's, it's, it's so good. And they canceled that after one show. What what show were you saying? I'm sorry. Stranger things. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I love stranger things. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Netflix is weird like that. So what was the, uh, what what was the reason you got in, uh, in, in love with horror movies? Oh, um, well, I grew up with horror movies. You know, my parents, they were always watching horror movies when I was a kid. Like the first horror movie that ever scared me was Poltergeist. Oh, well, dude, that's a I, fucking scary movie. Well, I had a little clown like that too. I had one. And like, I remember I used to sit up in my crib uh, and I used to like, I had, I had like a hammock, right? With all my stuffed animals in it. And I had one of those little fucking clowns, smaller than the one at Poltergeist. But I used to have like a little flashlight too. So I'd sit up in my crib and I'd just shine my flashlight at this fucking thing all the time and so one day i don't know if it was me or my mom or it was probably me i took it and i threw it i was in our basement we had like a half barrel that was covering up some pipes uh-huh. um, it was just like 70s decorations or something and um i threw it behind this like half barrel in the basement and i'm like nobody knew i did it my parents didn't know i did it i was the only one that i knew that i did it right well, I go back a couple years later. Now, mind you, there's nothing behind this half barrel besides pipes and maybe like a, a water meter or something. It was, we never fucked around with anything like that. And sure, uh, okay. I went back to look and see if it was still there and it was gone. Never saw it again. So right there is like when I got my first taste of the horror stuff. And then growing up in a haunted house, uh, like you and I were talking about. And then I just kind of like just gravitated towards horror. Like it's just... It's the the thrill and the scare of like you don't know what's behind the door or you don't know what's gonna happen, like that foreshadowing. I think that's why I love it so much. And now you know I got tons of horror movie shit. I got horror movie tattoos and that's just that's my life, man. I love it. What uh what horror movie tattoos you got? 
so I have uh, I got old school Pennywise right there. Oh, nice. And then I got Michael Myers. I mean, I'll have to stand up. I got Michael Myers right here. I got John Carpenter's and I got Rob Zombie's, like a half and half. Oh, nice. And then I got a zombie Gumby on my thigh. <laughs> I do. I have a zombie Gumby on my thigh. So, but yeah, I plan on doing like one, the, the leg that I have the zombie Gumby on, I also have like a jack-o'-lantern with a dagger through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that whole leg's going to be all horror. I'm going to do it all black and gray. Leave the two colored ones and then do the rest all black and gray. It's going to be the horror leg. So, Oh, nice. I got That's a really sick. sweet um, vampire bat right here, but obviously I can't show it right now with my, with my shirt that I just got yeah. done. I, I really enjoy it right before this all uh, COVID bullshit happened. So why don't we, <laughs> why don't we talk about your, your podcast a little bit more though? Okay. So t- tales from the, tales from the script. Tales from what, the script. Yeah. So obviously we get the, we get the horror correlation, but so why did you start this? When did you start this? And it's obviously so, still active. Yeah. I started a couple of years ago. I wanted to do some more stuff with the community. Right. And I, I wanted to start a podcast cause I, I would guest on podcasts. I'm like, Oh, this is really dope. This is a really cool way of creating content and getting to speak with people who I might not be able to speak with all the time. And you, and you know, nowadays you see a lot of podcasts out there that are there. They don't feel organic. They feel very organized. And I'm like, you know, I don't want, I don't want mine to be that way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want there to be like a, a set way of doing it. Or like I come up with the information and then like my guest just flows with me. I wanted to be really guest oriented. So I came up with the idea that, you know what, this isn't even my going to be my podcast. This is everybody's podcast and my guests, they can pick the title. They can pick the topic. Once they pick that, you know, I started drafting up questions just so like there was a little bit of a structure. So we weren't losing our train of thought. Um, so I give my guests, you know, my handful of questions, usually about 10 questions. Um, but we still make it organic. Right. And I just kind of flow from one thing to the other, but I don't come up with the shit. You know, it's all for the, it's all the guest choice. It's, it's your podcast. They want to hear, and by they, I mean the listeners, they want to hear what you care about and what you're passionate about. People already know what the fuck I care about. I talk about that shit all the time, right? Nobody wants to hear me. They want to hear you. So that's why I make it really guest focused. Well, I don't know if they don't want to hear you, but per se, but yes, I I get what I get where you, where you come from. Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah, that's cool. why I started it. And, um, you know, I figured how can I tie this in with horror? So I figured what could I mix with horror that's really horrific in my life and that's JavaScript. So I just <laughs> figured Tales from the Script, <laughs> it's a play on words between JavaScript and Tales from the Crypt. Let's roll with it. So wham, yeah, bam, there you go. I, I really enjoyed the last episode you did with, uh, with Jen, like everything about accessibility and all the, all the things that she was talking about was awesome. Yeah, I have... And, and- um, the, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. The transcript for that's coming out soon as well. I'm actually working on getting transcripts done, um, for that, either doing myself or, or getting a sponsorship to, uh, to pay for them, but they will be coming out soon. Like I said, the one with Jen is happening soon. It's, uh, the transcript should be out by the end of the week. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, it, and that was definitely a great episode because it, you know, it touched on what, uh, a lot of the things that you advocate for accessibility. Yeah. Yeah. And Jen is a huge accessibility advocate too. So if you ever get a chance to talk to Jen, definitely bring her on the podcast. Um, yeah, yeah she, she's, an ama- her up. Yeah. she's an amazing speaker. She does a lot for the industry. Uh, her and I have worked on open source stuff together, accessibility stuff together. Um, yeah, no, she, she's an amazing influencer. She's an amazing advocate. 
And it's funny that, you know, Auth0 is also sponsoring this because James, who I was tweeting about earlier, he works for Auth0. So definitely bring James on too. Yeah, I, I sent him a DM as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but Jen, Jen definitely, she's amazing. And like, I could give you a handful of amazing people to bring on. Maria Lamardo. I'm sure you probably, you've already talked to Maria. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marcy Sutton, Alice Boxhall. There's, there's just so many amazing people out there. Yeah, to, I think we uh, had, are, had some, I think we had a few of the same, sorry to interrupt you. I think we had a few of the same guests too. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's so many out there. Derek Featherstone, Nick Steenhout. Yeah. So many people, so. How did you get into accessibility? I, I you know, I, as, as a, a lot of people have, like such as myself, we've, we've gone and or listened to your talks, watched them on YouTube. We know that um, a lot of your passion uh, and inspiration comes from your own experience with your mom and trying to make devices and applications that are uh, accessible and for anyone to use. And your mom has some of these uh, issues where with the vision and uh, I think you said uh, short-term memory and, and such. Yeah. Do, you, do you mind going into that a little bit? Yeah. So the whole, when I started building on the web, like accessibility really wasn't a thing to the point it is now. And like, I always knew kind of like the, the low hanging fruit things with, you know, making accessible tables. Cause that's how we built websites back in the day, right? We use tables and all attributes on your images. But I would say maybe 2013, 14 is when I really started getting more into it. You know, I saw, I saw talks from like JSConf by Marcy Sutton. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, I didn't really think of these things, but she has so many valid points. And it really opened my eyes to what the web really was about, right? The web isn't about me. It's about the users out there. And who are the users? They could be anybody anybody right so i just started watching more of her talks that she would give and she'd talk about you know this or that or she she she'd showcase friends of hers that are blind or have low vision and how they use the web uh, and their struggle and i was like you know what there there needs to be more people talking about accessibility like and I'm, I'm passionate about it for all the different reasons and i'm like i need to start doing this so she kind of indirectly kind of like nudged me forward into that into like the accessibility space. And then I've had other friends, including her that kind of nudged me into the speaking space. So that's kind of how that all came to be. And then as I reflected more on what I was talking about, and that's when my mom kind of came into it. Like over the years, my mom has like her, everything is kind of degenerated, right? The, the hearing and the memory and everything like that. And she doesn't even use a computer, but if she did, I would want it to be as easy as possible, right? So that's why I always say if I can make an accessible user experience for her at the end of the day, I've done my job as a worker on the web. So yeah, that's kind of like the backstory for that. Yeah, I, I love one of the things that you said where you were saying that we should redefine what web accessibility means and that it means that it's everyone could use the web and that's, that's, that's the whole purpose. There was, there was one of these... Uh, talks that you gave, and I, I have a link right here. I want to make sure I'm uh, communicating the right uh, talk, which was focusing on focus. And it was so interesting to me because you played a video from Apple on web accessibility. And after you played it, there was a few people in the audience that laughed and found humor in someone's um, impairment. And it was 
it's it's really eye-opening to to hear people especially especially adults you know maybe if this was children i could understand their lack of maturity but like adults that paid to come to a conference and there's like chuckles here and there it's just yeah it's it's so odd it's upsetting i've you know and i've i know what you're talking about and i've i've I've, I've seen it because I'm giving the talk, right? But I've been there and I will flat out stop in my tracks and look in the audience and I will see who did it. I'm like, you know, this is not funny. If you think this is funny, you can leave. And I've done that. Like, I don't bullshit beat around the bush. and I'm not the, you know, the nice guy. Like, this is serious. Like, you paid to be here. You paid to learn about accessibility and you think it's funny. Get the fuck out of my room. Yeah. I had, I had somebody in a talk one time. I was giving a CSS talk in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. And... um. The, I was talking about accessibility within CSS and they said CSS or accessibility doesn't matter. And I, <laughs> I stopped dead in my tracks. I took my glasses off and a couple of my friends were in the audience and their jaws dropped. And they're like, this person does not know who they're talking to. <laughs> and like, I, I was, what's the word I'm looking for? I wasn't being a dick, but I was very stern with the person. And I'm like, I turned red. Cause like, it just set me off. And then yeah. I talked to the person afterwards and they finally understood you know, the reasoning, right? But like, you don't come to a talk of mine and say accessibility doesn't matter. Like that's, that's step number one. You don't do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's happened and it, it sucks, but you can only, like I tell people all the time, you can, you can lead a horse to water, right? Sure. What, what do you, what do you think is the, the reason that people um, don't get it sometimes? Obviously not all people, it's just some people, they don't yeah. see the value. Like uh, I could point out some of the things that you brought up in your talk, which you uh, communicated that 20% of people have a disability. So out of 7 billion humans, that's around 1.4 uh, globally, yeah. things like that. And then you also said that uh, 20% of any given workforce has uh, some form of uh, impairment within their uh, uh, company. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, wouldn't you think like with out of those numbers, people go, oh yeah, like, is it just a lack of empathy or people just being like, I don't want to deal with that because I'm too busy or I'm afraid to look that in the face? It's a couple of things. And I, I was just talking with somebody the other day about this. I think it's a couple of things. A, it's okay. because, you know, they don't have the time to do it. Okay. I get it. It's a valid answer. It's, it's valid in the sense that you're working on an agile team and you have a two week sprint and you can't sell it to a manager or supervisor and they say, no, 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 no. You got to do what you got to do. I get that. I've been there. Uh, it boils down and I would, maybe it boils down to empathy, you know, because that person's never been in a situation like that, or they might've never seen somebody with a, a, that type of disability try to use their experience. And then three, it boils down to education, right? You don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? And yeah, if, if you've never seen a, like a low vision or a blind user try and use the internet before, you don't know what it's like for them. But the second you, like if you were to go on YouTube and Google that or whatever, it's amazing to see a low vision or blind user use the web because if they use a screen reader at like, an, like an insanely fast paced amount of words per minute, that it's like, whoa. If I can't build this for them to use, like it is going to just be entirely pointless, right? So I think, it, I think it kind of boils down to all of those different things. And that's kind of how you sell it too. You know, bring the empathy, bring the stats and statistics, bring the facts, but also educate as well. 
And that's, I mean, that's why we're out there doing it. That's why we're out there educating people and giving talks and we do, you know, writing and doing podcasts is to educate and mentor so we can make the web a better place. You bring up a, a really interesting point that I'd like to touch on, which is sometimes we, we don't have the time and maybe that comes from the decision makers, the hires up, but as influencers, you know, you could obviously do the best you can, but maybe sometimes you have a scope, you're in your sprint and it didn't come up at the beginning. I don't want to point fingers. Obviously I can't because every scenario is different, but these are the things that need to be talked about at the beginning, just the way uh, maybe 10, 20 years ago, you know, we before, uh, let's say before 2010, we uh, or before 2008, we didn't talk about mobile as much. Right. Right. You know, yeah, uh, that was that was like an afterthought. Oh, we'll mobilify it later. We'll respond to it later. Uh, whatever, yeah. whatever term you want to use. But these are things obviously we, you know, we talk about mobile now all the time. That's yeah. that's of course, that's in the sprint. Uh, why wouldn't you make it responsive, adaptive, right. what have you? Same thing with accessibility that uh, as, dis- as influencers, if, if that's our role and uh, decision makers, what have you, we need to make sure that we focus on this because this is things for the people that actually use our products. And right. the people, if I'm not mistaken, that use our products um, are actually putting money in pockets. Yeah. Seems like a simple, simple logic. Right. I always say the three things that, that should always take priority first and they don't have to be in this order, but they need to take priority is security, accessibility, and performance. Fuck yes. Those three things, right? Nobody's going to want to use your site if it's not accessible for one. Nobody's going to want to use your site if it's not performant. And if they have no valid way of saying or telling that it's secure, they'll go somewhere else. Accessibility is the ROI. And I, I, I pulled that from a quote from um, their UX technologist, UI developer, uh, that wrote an article about the Domino's um, lawsuit. And they wrote in the article, oh, yeah. accessibility is the ROI. Like, and I try and push that as much as possible. Like, your stuff has to be accessible. It has to. There's, there's, I don't care what anybody says. You know what I mean? You want to make money. Oh, what well, we care about the bottom line. Well, your bottom line is tied directly into accessibility. Humans using your, your product. Exactly. What, what, whatever that might be. I mean, and, and if you're talking about lawsuits, I mean, that's an easy way to uh, flag that, you know, hey, there's actual real money at stake. Like, uh, I think like you, you pointed out that one, there's also uh, Beyonce got sued uh, for her yeah. website a few years ago. Like, like, this stuff is real. People will sue you. Yeah, Bank of America, Target, Red Roof Inn, Win Dixie, Dick Flick Art Materials. I could go on and on and on and on. In 2017, there was 814 federal website lawsuits amongst nine states and Puerto Rico. Wow. Just a handful of states in Puerto Rico in 2017. 814 federal website lawsuits by yeah. state in Puerto Rico. That's two and a half a day, <laughs> just for like nine states. Two of the highest being New York and Florida. That is an unacceptable number. Now, granted, there are you know law- lawsuits, not lawsuits, but um, lawyers out there in law firms that just go around looking for inaccessible websites and sue. That sure. could play a huge part 
in that, but still like 814. That's, that's a staggering okay. number. I mean, definitely there's, there's validity to somebody spilling the McDonald's coffee in their, on their lap and going, Oh, the coffee was hot. I need a million dollars. Of course it's fucking yeah. hot. But like, th- this is a real scenario. There's, it's not even a scenario. These are, this is real life. Yeah. Yeah. 814 federal website lawsuits against accessibility. That's crazy. Ridiculous. Crazy might not be the right term, but it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. Speaking of, speaking of accessibility, you're also a co-organizer of Ann Arbor web accessibility. Um, can we talk a little bit about that and uh, what they do? Yeah. So I don't even know if I'm a co, I don't even know if I'm a co-organizer anymore since moving to Denver. Um, but I was, I was co-organizer for the Ann Arbor accessibility group back in Michigan. And we would, you know, put together accessibility meetups that we, we would usually do it like DQ, which is an Ann Arbor or a couple, you know, other tech companies in downtown Ann Arbor, outside of Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti. And we would do, you know, we would do get togethers. We would do talks. Um, oh yeah. Then once I moved, once I moved to Denver, I kind of had to hand the reins over on that. Same thing with Detroit. When I started Detroit, I had to hand the reins over on that, but we did a lot of accessibility talks and we had our a Slack channel and stuff like that. So um, just tried to bring the, the accessibility community together in Ann Arbor, which is 45 ish minutes west of Detroit where I was living. So I would travel out there and do these things and then come back just because there, there needed to just be more, more community based around accessibility. And um, I think they're still doing things now. I just, I just haven't kept, kept up with what they're doing back at home. So are you, are you going, you said you're going back to Detroit? I am. Yep. I'm moving back to Detroit uh, in five weeks, actually. Oh, end of May. That's so exciting. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'm so, excited. so why the move? Is it just because of the, is, is the, uh, the new job location? By, have something no, like I work, or? I work remote for Tuft and Needle, so I can, I can go anywhere. There's, there's a lot of reasons why I don't like Denver. Like, and I'm sure there's people listening right now that love Denver or live here or friends of mine that live here. But personally for me, like I knew after nine months, like I didn't like it. I didn't like it here at all. I like visiting, mm-hmm. but I need to be in Detroit. Like I need to be where the hustle is. I need to be where the grime is the smog. You know what I mean? Like it's in my, I got three, one, three tattooed on the back of my neck. Like that's me. Like three, one, three is my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I decided awesome. to, to move back. So, and plus like my support system is there. My mom is there. My mom is sick. So I'd, I'd rather be a two hour yeah. drive to get to her than a three hour plane ride or an 18 hour drive back to Detroit. So She's beaten yeah. cancer twice. So wow. she's, for her, that's awesome. I just, I want to be there if knock on wood, but I want to be there if anything happens. And like I said, I have a lot of, I, I suffer from really bad mental health issues, health anxiety being one of them and my support systems at home, you know, mm-hmm. my, all my support systems in Michigan. So like, I need to be there. So that's, that's one of the main reasons why I'm moving back. So. Oh, that's great. So do you have all your plans set up? You already got a place. Yep. I'm going to stay with a friend of mine uh, right outside of the city until I get on my feet. I got everything I need to, to move. I just got some moving supplies in the other day. So we're going to start making things happen and start getting things packed up here soon. Oh, dude, that's great. Congrats. Thank you. I mean, I did it, right? It was a goal to move here. Yeah. Not many people can say they've packed up and moved cross country. Well, I did it because people said I wouldn't and it was a big fuck you. So I did it. And yeah, I accomplished that goal. Mm-hmm. Time to move on to bigger goals. Yeah, you gave it a fair try too. Like yeah. you, you went out there, you tried out the city, and you were like, "Yeah, this isn't for me." Yep. Yep. Yeah. I did it. So, time to time to set some higher goals and uh, make those happen. I'm really goal oriented. So, if I don't if I don't finish my goals or hit my goals, it 
it really gets to me. So do, do you have a goal app? I use things. Uh, I don't, I've never heard. I like writing shit down. Like I'm, I oh, got yeah. so many the te- the pens. texture of uh, writing. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I love, I love writing. I got book after notebook after notebook, all with notes and, and sketches. And I just, I got pens out the ass. Like I love, <laughs> I love notebooks and pens. Like, I don't know. Just, just my, just my thing. That's awesome. So uh, why don't we talk about your, what, what you do for, for work, what your day to day is. Uh, what would you say your main, um, your main job is? Uh, so I would say that my main job is building stuff for Tuft and Needle, the company I work for, yeah. uh, and just building, just building in front of technologies, a little bit of JavaScript. I do a lot of accessibility work. Uh, I do a lot of CSS. I do a lot of mentoring uh, around accessibility and CSS at work and kind of push that. Um, no, I wouldn't say push, but influence as to why accessibility is important and a lot of the a lot of the team is starting to build with accessibility in mind and me and another coworker, her and i did a lot of the accessibility work uh and trainings around accessibility documentation so yeah that's that's kind of what my day-to-day is working on a specific team small little team on the engineering team what kind of uh js do you are you running are you do are you view guy react guy or a little bit of everything (sighs) a little bit of none of it (laughs) Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, that knows me, man. You know, I'm not a JavaScript developer, uh, but I can, I can do a little bit here and there. Like I, I used to do a little bit of angular one back in like the early Ionic days. Um, currently right now I'm building a buddy of mine's barbershop website. He's opening up a barbershop back in Detroit and I'm using react to build that. I'm using CRA. I'm rebuilding my site using Gatsby. I can do a little nice. bit in view. So, I mean, I can do well, a little bit here and there. Well, uh, I think work, you probably react. You probably know, it sounds like you know more than most people though. I mean, you, you were like, oh, oh, not at all. But like, you, you know a lot more than a, than a good chunk of people that uh, try this out. Dude, it's so hard. JavaScript it is. is hard. It is it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. It's hard to, hard to get gigs nowadays if you don't know. Like if you're not like quote unquote a JavaScript developer, it's, it's super hard. You can have all the skill in the world in the front end, but if you can't build something in React at scale, nobody wants you. And it's an industry problem. And that's like, that, that can be a whole other conversation. Um, but no, I mean, well, I, can, I can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I can't do anything crazy, like heavy duty in JavaScript, so. Yeah, but you could do the, the stuff that counts. And uh, to, to go to your point, you actually, uh, there was a talk that I watched that you, you discussed this, the same topic, how um, people that actually write semantic code, sometimes they're, they're devalued. They, they, people don't, um, some industries don't see it as them being a specialist in their own right. And like writing actually semantic code is like a lot of people that are the so-called JavaScript experts. That's not, that's not their gig, right? right? They, they look towards the people that, that can do that. And like, you know, you might be great in react, but you don't know what, you know, a picture element is or how to use it or how to use uh, certain like site source or source correctly in uh, an image tag or why you should use an alt tag. Or, you know, there's a lot of things that go with this. You know, yeah. the, there's divs everywhere or there's a bunch of IDs instead of classes. There, there, there's so many things that are important to really good semantic code, whether you're subscribing to uh, what was Jonathan Snook's things? Uh, Smacks or Smacks. Yeah. Yeah. Love Smacks or like BAM or, or something like that, that, that makes sense of the code. So when you actually look at it, it's, 
it's digestible to the browser, but it's also digestible to tools like accessibility um, realm, you know, like, like yeah. screen readers and whatnot, you know, uh, the, there's so much that goes into that. And it, it, yeah, it's one of those things that irks me too, where uh, um, that value sometimes is pushed aside and not, not, um, not put in a spotlight where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I think that the talk, I think you're th- talking about is the CSS talk I give where I talk about how CSS developers like myself are devalued in the industry. And it's, it's no secret. You know what I mean? It, we are devalued in the industry. There's a lot of people I know that struggle getting jobs or even when I was looking for a new job because I couldn't do all of the things in JavaScript, like nobody would want me. And I fully love and appreciate that there, we have JavaScript developers and that like friends of mine are like, that's what they do. And that's perfect. Because I always said, you take somebody like me and you take a JavaScript developer and put them together. Dude, that is an amazing combination, right? I value that. So like, why, are, why am I not valued? I've been told I'm not a developer. After 24 <laughs> years, I'm not a developer. That's because ridiculous. I'm not, quote unquote, a JavaScript developer and only a JavaScript developer. And I think that's just, it's, it's just turned that way because of the industry. The industry wants JavaScript developers. So everybody thinks they, not everybody, but a lot of people think you know, that's what I have to do or like that's the only thing I know how to do. Um, and they just, they don't focus so much on the other stuff. But then that makes it super hard for a lot of other people trying to get gigs out there. You know <laughs> what I mean? But like no disrespect to anybody that's writing JavaScript. Like I, sometimes I wish I could do sure. it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But like I just, it's just not in my wheelhouse. Well, you know, I, I don't know how to, put together my carburetor, but you know, I, right. I drive my car. Um, I, I go to somebody for that. Just like somebody comes to me for something else. We all need people. We all need specialists or else exactly. you get a bad product, whatever that might be. Like uh, what's, what's a classic scenario where, you know, you have a bunch of developers building a MVP of a product and then the product comes out and you find out that and through the MVP, that the user experience is useless. Why was it useless? Because you had two investors that made a product with all these developers that were outsourced from here, there, and everywhere, and they all come together and made a meh. Yeah. You know, like you, you need design at some point. You need UX, you need other things, you need accessibility. We, if, if you're gonna put together a car, what I'm saying is you, you need wheels. You can't just drive the car without the wheels. Right. Yeah, you, it's like you would never expect a nurse to do surgery. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, we all can be in the same space and we all can live in the same space. I mean, I can be a front-end developer that does not specialize in JavaScript. You could be a front-end developer that does specialize in JavaScript. But if we're doing surgery, I don't want a nurse cutting into me. You know what I'm saying? I want yeah, a surgeon no. that is a specialist. <laughs> exactly. We all work in the medical field, but the nurse does a thing and the surgeon does a thing. Let's just live in harmony. <laughs> yeah, and they all have value. Exactly. It's, that's the whole point of, of yes. people being specialized in certain things and, and being valued for the thing they do. Like I'd imagine if you probably turned around and handed, uh, say, a uh, quote unquote JavaScript front end developer, like here's all my uh, SAS files. What are they going to do with all those SAS files? Wait, so this yeah, they, is the might, they might not know what to do. Right, exactly. They, yeah. they, they might and they what might the, not. What, what, what the fuck is SAS, you know? Right. And the same thing if you handed me like a whole React project. I'm going to be like, 
what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? I don't know. So I'll, I will call on my friends who like do that. And then like, I respect that they do that because I couldn't do it. Right. Like I have mm-hmm. friends in the industry who are like, they're angular developers, react developers, view developers. And if I'm stuck on something in any of those frameworks or libraries, like I'm going to go to what I know who is a specialist or does well in that. And I'm going to ask for advice or ask, how do, how do I do this thing? Right. I couldn't figure out. So perfect example. I, I, you know, the little bit of react that I, I know. So when you're like using links instead and the way the documentation reads is what, instead of like using an anchor tag with an href, you can use a link component in react or Gatsby or whatever the case may be. So to me, I think, okay, anchor tag href, I'm thinking markup. Well, you can use an anchor tag or href for internal and external links. So I'm trying to use the link component throughout my whole application. Well, I didn't know any better. So I reached out to a friend of mine who does React. And like, oh, no, 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 no. If it's external linking, you can use an anchor tag with an href. If it's internal is when you use the link component. Well, I didn't know that. None of the documentation I, could fi- I found said that, right? So I went to a specialist and then they led me down the right path and then shit worked after that. That's, the, that's, that's what I'm trying to get, you know, my point to get to. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a, you could even take that same scenario and flip it in the other side of the coin where you'll see a lot of um, applications being built with CSS with uh, blocks instead of all the other tools that we have now like Flexbox or Grid. Like, do you think you're going to at any point in the near future uh, to five to 10 years seeing uh, just hardcore JavaScript programmers be able to uh, put in a, a, a template that's um, flex, uh, grid unless yeah. they leverage some tool like, um, I don't know, like foundation or uh, what's the other one, the bootstrap. bootstrap. Like if they put out like a CSS grid tool at, at the time, like, like without those kind of like frameworks, they're, they're not doing that. They don't know how to uh, custom make those elements from scratch, at least currently in the, in yeah. the near future. So I think, I think there, there could be a different couple different roads. This could go down sure. one that like the, like JavaScript developers who might not dabble a bunch in CSS, they're going to have to learn at some point because if sure. companies are only hiring JS devs, they're going to have to learn these things. But then what's that, what's that do for developers like me, right? Who just, who don't write tons and tons of JavaScript where we might be screwed. At the end of the day, we might be screwed. You know what I mean? But then there's... I'm sorry, I didn't hear Go ahead. I was going to say, but then there's also, I've heard of companies that created like titles like UX engineer, where that focus is HTML, CSS, accessibility, not JavaScript. So that would be, that would be great. You know, that would be great if if like other companies could get on board that did that. Like, okay, we're going to hire, we're going to hire UX engineers then we're going to hire JavaScript engineers and like do that clear separation. There's some companies out there that do it. Uh, Dockyard is, is one company that I know of where they hire HTML and CSS devs, but then they hire JavaScript devs to work alongside with them. And all the JavaScript developer does is JavaScript. That's all they do. The HTML and CSS devs, that's what they do. And I only know of a few companies out there and they're few and far between. But I think having that separation and like, yeah, it might cost more money. It might like, be more resources, but if you could take, you know, two HTML, CSS devs, two JavaScript devs, put them on a team together, that that and like with a backend dev or whatever, that like that's a winning combination to me. You know, I would I would much rather be a specialist than a jack of all trades and a master of none. 
It's, it's almost like, uh, I was going to say that, like, like we're going back to the future, Marty, where it's, we're creating this uh, person that's going to be a, a web developer. Yeah. You know? A webmaster. <laughs> a webmaster. Yeah, yeah. Webmaster. Like, like, like are, are we going back to, like, 1990 with that role? Uh, but, but also, too, I think it, it comes down to an easy way to uh, delineate here is that if, if you commit anything, uh, deploy something to GitHub, you're, you're a developer. You're pushing code, yeah. you're working in code, there you go. If you write code, you're a developer. Like, I don't give a shit what you're writing. You write code, exactly. you're a developer. You, you know what I mean? I think, exactly. it was, um, I think it was Angelina Fabro who did a talk on this a while ago. I think it was a few years ago. I think it was like a JS conf or something. And she was saying, if you write code, it doesn't matter what you write. If you write any line of code, you are a developer. And I, that's always stuck with me. You know, when people say, well, Chris, you're not a developer or you're not a programmer. Like there's that whole debate, programmer versus developer. What the fuck ever. You write code, you're a developer. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? So. It's a, it's a weird place that comes from. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's interesting too, because you don't, you don't see it in, at least I haven't seen it in larger companies more developed that understand the value of design, the value of having uh, someone that writes experiences, accessibility, all the things that go into a fully formed product rather than when you are, you know, might be in, in the startup mode and it's a lot of MVPs and you're just yeah. trying to get shit out of the door and somebody to, to look at you. Yeah. You, you hear that a lot too. And I've, I've had friends that have said that as well. Like those more specialty roles, you'll find a bigger corpse right? Yeah. Because they have, they have enough people and they have the budget, et cetera. The more startup-y, smaller companies, like they can't really invest in that because they need somebody that can do it all and do it quickly. Like you said, get shit out the door. So, I mean, it's, it's, finding, it's finding those areas and being able to market yourself, I think, into what your specialty is. Like I, I market myself as a CSS and accessibility specialist. As a front-end developer, that's, what, that's like my thing. Um, but finding companies that value that at a small scale is hard. But even the companies that are really, really big, those, those companies are hard to get into too. And there's usually like a long drawn out process in HR, usually smaller company startups, they're quick to hire. Boom, boom, boom. I remember I interviewed for a company one time, I think it was like a three month interview process because it was a huge corporation and like, okay, well, what are we doing? You know, like, I'm calling recruit. I'm calling recruiters, and I'm calling HR people. Like, where's my application? You know, how the you know what's the feedback from the the interview? And then finally, I got a call saying, "Oh, we want to offer you full time employment, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But then I've worked at other companies where within a week, three interviews, boom, offer, everything was done, and then I put my two weeks into the gig and started. You know what I mean? So I guess it, I guess it really all depends on the 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 scale of the company, who are who is on the engineering team. And what they find valuable, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of times in these big companies, sometimes you're getting filtered through people, through people, through people until you get to the, the team that you would actually be working with. You know, yeah. there's only so much that you could communicate to someone in HR, not dissing HR at all, but they don't know what you do. That's not their job. Their job is to filter out to make sure, okay, well, is this person... Um, somebody that can work on the team, uh, can they get here? Or if they're remote, are they going to be able to work 
the hours in our time zone? Those kind of, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever those questions may be. And then you actually finally get to the team and that's when some of that stuff happens where you, where you actually talk shop, if you will. And then you get to the decision makers and more of that stuff. And it, it, it yeah. could be a, a process. The frustrating, the, one of the frustrating things I find too is when you get referred for a gig and you put in the person's referral or you write a cover letter because I, I, I still write cover letters. People you should always write a cover letter. People say don't do it. I still do it. If you ask for one, I'm going to write you a cover letter. But I'll put in like my cover letter like I was, um, I was told by or referred by so-and-so at your company that you know this was a gig and I put them down as a referral. But then you don't even move past that. Like you'll get an automated email saying, well, you're not what we're looking for. I'm like, huh? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was referred by somebody in your company. Like, did you even look at who the referral was? Like, are you kidding me? That's happened a couple different times. And it's like, wow, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Again, that's that automated process in HR. Yep. Yep. It's yeah. not even, they don't even look at your resume. They just look at the application. Like, oh, it's yeah, frustrating. Sometimes you have to have some kind of skill and uh, marketing to make sure that you uh, kind of, go the path and circumvent and get to the right individual that is a influencer decision maker or again, yeah. someone on the team. Yeah. To that's make definitely, that. it's definitely a trick to do that. Like find the person that makes the decision and go directly to the source. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's easier you said know, than done. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You, you, what I <laughs> wanted to, uh, another thing I want to talk to you about is obviously the, the landscape of everything right now. I know you do a lot of speaking. Um, you can't do that. Obviously right yeah. now there's, there's, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's of course a lot of um, events that are being uh, turned into uh, remote events, webinars, what have you. Um, so how, how, how has everything been changed for you and uh, how are you, how are you just coping with things? Oh, it sucks. Flat out. It sucks. Like last week, so I had a bunch of events lined up. I was supposed to go to Lithuania for an event wow. in May. That got canceled. Oh, it got postponed till I think August maybe. But even still then, like I'm still, are we going to be okay in August? Like are, is international travel going to be okay in August? Like I don't know. Like these are things that, that kind of keep me up at night because I am so involved in the community. And I love speaking. I love traveling because I see it as a way not only to teach and mentor, I get to see my friends. You know what I mean? I get to hug people and like have that physical because like I'm Connections, a big dude. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big dude. I have tattoos. I have a beard. I look intimidating, but you could, you could hit up James quick right now. And if he's listening, he knows what I'm talking about. The first time I met him, I gave him a huge bear hug and he was intimidated by me, but I gave him a huge hug and I was like, dude, I'm so happy to meet you. Like people don't see that when they see me, like I might look super like a badass. I am a huge, huge softy. I, I like to hug people. I'm a huge hugger. That's just the way I was brought up. And like, I did, I miss hugging people. Like I was telling Gant Laborde today. I'm like, dude, I just want to hug somebody. Like, and if it's a friend of mine that's on the speaker circuit that I only see rarely every few times a year, then that, that, that's amazing. But it's, it's, it's been hard for me as an extrovert with mental health issues that is a speaker being stuck and cooped up in here, having to speak to a computer. You know what I mean? It's just not the same for me. I did two talks last week. I did a Magnolia JS, uh, which is JC Hyatt's event. Uh, that was an amazing event, amazing turnout, over 2,000 attendees. Oh, it was a great event. He, he turned it around so quickly because it was supposed to be in person. He turned it right. around and made it all online, all virtual. He opened up the tickets to be free. Oh, wow. It, it, he killed it the way he, he made it happen. 
And that one was a live one. And then that Friday, I, I did a pre-recorded talk of the same talk for Future Sync in the United Kingdom. And that was pre-recorded. Uh, so that was aired on last Friday. It's just not the same for me. It's not like I miss parties. I miss dinners. I miss the hallway track. I miss that physical interaction with people. And I keep saying it like, if this is how things are going to be moving forward, even after all this virus stuff is done, I might stop speaking because it's, it's well, just not the same for me. It's, we're going to definitely have caution for the next few months. It might be something to where, you know, after if we have uh, <laughs> the big apple drop or the ball drop, what have you in, in New York, if, if there is a big New Year's party, I think we're not going to really see people distancing until after that because everybody's still going to be like, uh, I don't fucking know. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the scary thing about it is like, yeah, once we can go outside, excuse me, or like once everything is gravy, is it really gravy? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't want to travel if that's the case, you know? And I just, it just, I just, I, it's hard, dude. Speaking to it, speaking to this camera right here is hard. Well, you I don't had, have that interaction with you. you. You said you're an extrovert. I myself am an introvert. And I just want to declare what those things mean for people that, uh, don't really get it sometimes an extrovert being somebody that uh, re-energizes themselves within a group of people and an introvert recharges when they're alone. I'm not shy. I love people. I just, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I need to go to my quiet place and re-energize. But right. as an extrovert, you need people to yeah. really pull that energy from. So you're, you're losing out on all your, all your juice right now. Yeah. I am literally, it's, it's the same thing every day. Sleep, eat, work, sleep, eat, work, sleep, eat, work, because I can't go to the bar. You know, I yeah. go to the bar a lot. I, I see my friends and my bartender friends. I can't do that. So I'm missing out on that. Meetups can't do that. All the conferences, like I thrive on that energy. You know what I mean? The community is why I do what I do. And I just, I don't have that. And yeah, I guess you could say you have that when you're doing virtual events, but it's, it's not, the, it's same. Not the same thing. It's not no. the same. So if, if, if the trend goes this way and a lot of big events, small events, I don't care, an event, everything goes virtual, I might have to retire from speaking just because I, I don't know if I could do it, to be completely honest. So I hope I'm not like upsetting anybody out there, but like, that's the truth of the matter. Like yeah. I have to be around people. And if I can't be around people, then I'm, I don't, I'd rather use that energy for something else. I'm, I'm sure. Like, I don't want to be like, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to be optimistic, pessimistic. I'm just saying like, I'm sure there's, I'm going to be hopeful in in some capacity that within by the end of the year, we're going to be outside. We're going to be hanging out with people again. And even if there is some kind of second wave, uh, of course, with all this fuckery going on with some, some yeah. of these states letting people go out early, even in Florida where I'm at, a lot of the beaches have opened up and yeah, you know, of course there's fuckery yeah. there. I can't but hopefully by the I know it's just nuts, but hopefully by the end of the year, we could return to some kind of normalcy and by next year, we're going to be able to uh, be in the crowds again, shake somebody's hand and you'll be able to give somebody a, a big bear hug. I hope so, man. Like a lot of the events they've, they've postponed to the end of the year to be in person. And that's great. You know, I'm still speaking at them. I'll be, you know, I'll be at uh, I'll be at uh, refactor later this year, UI architecture oh, nice. in New Orleans. I'll be there. I think a couple other that I'm, I'm missing. Uh, but a lot of the bigger ones, they canceled and they're, they've, they're you know, already saying, we're going to be back at it again next year. And I'm hoping it'll be in person. Like, that's my hope is that they will be in person events. 
because I mean, even, I mean, organizers will tell you too, like, yeah, it does save a lot of money, but still you, you miss out on the hallway tracks and you miss out with your friends and the dinners and the drinks and the parties. And that's, that's how I survive. That's what I thrive in, man. Well, that, that's that. kind of, that's kind of the big part of like why you go to a conference, you, you go to these events so you can shake somebody's hand. You can talk to the people that that's, you know, are the subject matter experts in X, Y, and Z. And Hey, you know what? I want to talk to you in the hallway and ask you a question, blah, blah, blah. There's so much value in doing that. You can't, yeah. you can't get that shit virtually. No, no. You like, I can't tell you to meet me in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For a hallway track, unless we like the, 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 the form of a hallway track, it was like, Hey, hit me up on Slack or DM me in Twitter. And then we'll talk through zoom. Like that's the hallway track. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's not the same. It's just not the same. And I'm, I'm sorry that you had to celebrate your birthday on uh, through this shit too. So I was so funny story. I was in Detroit. I was in Michigan for, for my birthday. Cause I was oh, also were. going to, a, yeah, I was going to a wedding and that was okay. before the panic really set in. Like oh, people were okay. still out and we yeah. were out, we were going to dinner for my birthday and we, we went to a wedding and we went out to eat and we were going to stores and shit everything was okay. People were like, ah, fuck it. You know, this is just the flu, blah, blah, blah. And then that week I was in Michigan, panic started setting in because the governor was like, we're going to shut schools down. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? They're shutting the schools down. Mm-hmm. So then they shut the schools down. And then literally like the night before I left is when the panic set in all across the country. So I'm stuck in Michigan. I'm like, should I go back home? I mean, should I go back to Denver? Do I stay here? Like, what do I do? Like I was freaking out. But I did get back on the plane, came back to came back to Denver, and I've been in quarantine since March sixteenth. Oh. that's that's when the panic like really hit across the country, and then everything shut down, schools shut down, and nobody was leaving their house. People or started burning down five G towers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and raiding all the toilet paper like assholes. Mm-hmm. Literally, figuratively. Figurative. Yes, exactly. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but yeah. I'm, I'm, so yeah, I've been in, I've been in lockdown since then and I've rarely gone out. I've like, I've driven my truck, you know, just to charge the battery up and get some air rolling yeah. through the tires. Um, make trips here and there to get maybe some groceries and toilet paper. Cause I found some, but other than that, dude, I've, I've been locked up in this fucking apartment since the 16th of March and it sucks, but yeah, nothing stopping me from moving home. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, you'll, I'm sure it will look like a ghost town. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be yeah. crazy. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Good luck to you on that. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. Well, hey, we're, we're right about at the end of the show, and I, I like to provide our guest with, uh, with two questions. One being, what is the uh, best way people could find out more about you? What's your Twitter handle? What's your website? Yeah, so uh, I'm Salton Burnham, S-A-L-T-N-B-U-R-N-E-M, Salton Burnham on Twitter. And if you're a Supernatural fan, you'll understand that reference. Uh, so you hit me up on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, DM me. I am open to talk to anyone and everyone about anything they want to talk about. It doesn't have to be web-related, horror movies, TV, uh, tattoos. I don't give a shit, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, website is chrisdemars.com. Nothing fancy there. I'm, like I said, I was cur- I'm currently working on a rebuild using Gatsby. Uh, so that'll be cool once I get that squared away. Uh, but yeah, usually Twitter's the best way to get a hold of me. So great. And we'll have that in the show notes, obviously. You know, it, it's funny that 
within that show, like the first few seasons, they don't even salt and burn any bones. I know. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> the first time I heard them, like I, I watched the show over and over and over and over and over again. Like I will never get sick of Supernatural ever. I got Supernatural so shit up there. I got posters all over the place. I got a magnet on my fridge. And uh, I love when I hear him say, oh, you got to salt and burn the bones. So I'm like, ha, ha, ha. I am. You know what I mean? No, I love that plug. show so much. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so yeah. Obviously, uh, is the, the new season's already out, right? Yeah, I think so. I haven't been keeping up with it. I don't have cable anymore. So, oh, okay. and I know like Hulu is weird with the way they do shows. Like they'll show like half a season or like season, like season 15, episode three, and they'll leave out one and two. So like, yeah. I can't even follow it. So I got to wait till all the stuff is on Blu-ray and then buy it and then watch it. So yeah, Hulu's has a lot of fuckery going on. I try to start watching the last season of the good place, but like the beginning of the season wasn't on there. And I was like, what? Yeah. Where's the value in that? Like it, it's just yep. so dumb. So anyway, I watch, I watched, I watched ghost adventures. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just no, no, get please, one more thing in. Yeah. talking about paranormal and supernatural stuff. Um, I watch ghost adventures all the time on Hulu and like, they'll have, episode or season one and only have two episodes of season one for ghost adventures it's like wait there's more than two episodes but you gotta like buy it you gotta buy it on blu-ray or dvd that's ridiculous that you have to buy the media just have it out and what what was that show you were telling me before we started recording it was hellier how do you spell that h-e-l-l uh-huh I okay so i had it right just how it sounds okay and that's on prime that's on amazon prime yep season one and season two are the only two on there right now uh, oh yeah i'm excited super to watch badass that. show dude super badass show i'm telling you you'll dig it seriously it, it sounds like it's right up my alley honestly uh and the, the last thing that i like to ask people is to uh more more their advice i like to provide an opportunity at the end of the show for you to say any kind of words or wisdom uh for our audience anything that you'd like to get out there oh uh getting old is mandatory growing up is optional I, I say that all the time. Um, Where's that come from? It's a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine I would, it would be. <laughs> everything is a funny story. So uh, a long time ago, I was 16. And I was in my girlfriend's basement. Uh, and like her stepdad had a plaque on the wall in the basement. And the okay. plaque said, getting old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. And ever since I read that, I was 16. And I'm 34. That stuck with me every single day of my life. Getting really? old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Never grow up. Always be a kid. Always have fun. You see a lot of people out there my age, older, younger, who are all like, oh, I'm grown up now, blah, 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 blah. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Be responsible. Do the things. Pay your bills. You know, but don't take things so seriously. You, know, you want to have fun? Have fun. You only live once, and we know that now, right? yeah very much seriously you know <laughs> yeah. do live live your life and, and and handle your shit take care of your business but hey we're all going to get old just because we get old does not mean we have to grow up that's right you don't want to be one of those people 87 years old on your on your deathbed going oh man i wish i did x y and z fucking yeah. do it yeah exactly. enjoy life it's a gift do exactly. it exactly well you know and like my my dad my it's a whole other situation but like my dad's that type of dude tucks his shirt in, slicks his hair back every single day, whether he's going out or not. It's like, dude, I'll do something funny or say something funny. And he'd be like, grow up. I'm like, no, no. 
what do you got tattoos for? Grow up. Why don't you grow up? Fuck off. <laughs> it's so interesting, <laughs> that mindset of like taking everything so seriously. It's, it's almost like uh, having some kind of trepidation where someone's going to attack your ego, your fragile ego at any point. So you, you have to have that cardboard tank at yeah. the ready. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like I, like I said, handle your shit, pay your bills, do what you know is right in life. But if you want to have fun, have fun and nobody's yeah. stopping you. So well said. Yeah. Enjoy you, life. Sir. Dude. Thank you so much, Chris. Really appreciate you being me. on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Super cool. Thanks everybody for watching. And uh, also thank you again to our sponsor off zero. That is off zero.com. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Toodles and noodles. We're out. Thanks for consuming the Thunder Nerds. We honestly and sincerely appreciate you watching and or listening to the show. Please subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Write us review stars our way. And above all else, please remember to send your favorite book suggestions to Brian Hinton. I, I like romance novels. They have happy endings. Oh man, I am rude. I am, I am rude. <laughs> oh, I guess no one's blocked me. That's shocking. <laughs> exactly. I love Frederick. I love Frederick. I love Frederick. I love Frederick. I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the <laughs> fuck am I talking about?